You are listening to our Southside Baptist Church podcast. For more audio content, please refer to our website, ssbaptistchurch.com. Sometimes when you sing a song like that, your mind begins to wander to some of the scripture, and I was thinking about something that Reggie and I had talked about, I guess, yesterday or the day before. In John 11, when Lazarus died, he waited intentionally four days before he finally came to the scene where Lazarus was now dead. Um, If I remember, Martha came out to meet him. Mary was upset with Jesus. They both said, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would be alive. And I I believe at that point, Reggie, that Jesus smiled and looked at Mary and he said, Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever believeth in me shall never die. And uh, he is the victory over the grave. And that's what we celebrate. So let's again pray. Lord, we thank you. We love you. We pray, dear Lord, that you use this time now as you've already done in worship Lord what a beautiful time of worship the intensity the passion Lord as we've gathered and we've sung about Emmanuel God with us he ransomed captive Israel and Lord we're all part of the nation of Israel as the body of Christ uh, part of the church the New Testament church and Lord we praise you because you have ransomed us saved us You have paid the supreme penalty for our rebellion and our sin by becoming sin for us so that we could be set free by the righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed to us. Lord, we ask you now to speak to our hearts. Cleanse me, Lord. Forgive me for any word out of my mouth, any thought in my mind, anything, dear Lord, that would in any way interfere with what you want to do. And Lord, we give you the glory. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to be seated. And uh, children will begin to make their way to worship. And their own children's church. And their time together. And while while you're looking, in fact, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand. Remain standing. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. We're going to read beginning with verse 1. We'll read through verse 7. And we're going to be focusing, but let's stand in honor of God's word this morning. If you're able to stand, I want to encourage you to do that. We stand in honor of the word of God. And um, anyway, um, Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. And, and while you're turning there, let me ask you a question. Everybody think about this. Let me ask you, we're, we're coming to the end of 2019. Okay, so we're about to put 2019 to rest. Let me ask you, has this been a good year for you? Has it been a good year? Well, for Russell, it's been a good year, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that, Russell. Uh, anybody else, been a good year? Just say amen. Been a good year. Uh, God's done some great things. Been a good year. Maybe some things that you have seen happen in your life or in your family, maybe in your workplace, maybe in your education, academic pursuits. Whatever it is, uh, maybe you got a raise this year. Maybe you got a good uh, health report and uh, some good news, and and it's been a good year for you. How many of you have had a good year? Say amen. Amen. Anybody had, it's kind of been a bad year, kind of been a tough year. Am I the only one in the room? (laughs) 
You know, it may have been this year you lost somebody that you loved. It may have been this year that you had some um, personal losses, some failures. Maybe you felt like you didn't make the progress that you would like to have made spiritually. Maybe this year you kind of laxed in your discipline and maybe you kind of blew that diet you had made a commitment to at the beginning of 2019. Maybe it's some personal discipline, spending more time in the Word of God, spending more time in prayer, maybe sharing your faith with others. Maybe there's been some battles in your family. There's been some people that have disappointed you. Maybe there's been some heartache in your family. Maybe some friends have disappointed you. Maybe somebody's betrayed you, let you down. Maybe this year's not been the best year. Can I be honest with you? Uh, 2019 really wasn't a very good year from your pastor. It wasn't that great a year. And, and so I'm, I'm, just, I'm just shooting straight with you. And I would believe in a, in, in a group like this that there are probably a few of you that you feel like that. You know, it's, it's not been the best year. I've had some better years. And, and, and so uh, I've been drawn to a passage of Scripture, and it's in the first chapter of Philippians. So if you've got your Bibles open, say amen. amen. Philippians chapter 1. Paul and Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. Everybody real quickly, Acts 16, you remember Paul and Silas in prison. They were singing in prison. The Philippian jailer, you remember they're set free. And the, uh, the jailer is ultimately converted. His family is converted and baptized. Lydia, a woman, become, you know, you have a group of early believers that gather together and that is the nucleus of the church at Philippi. Paul loved this church. Most of Paul's letters, he reprimands, he gets on to people. There's doctrinal error, personal failure. But in the case of Philippi, the theme of this book is joy. He loves this church. Can I say something to you today? I love you. I do. I do. I love you. I love this church. I listened to you sing a little while ago. I watch our worship leader. It looks like he's having the small spasms as he's up there just leading us. I see some of you, Sheila and I, with our hands up and just lifted in praise and worship. And as we sang, oh, captive Israel, realizing what God's done. You know, can I remind you of something that a lot of churches don't have what we experience so many times in this sanctuary, in this place. But I love you. I love you. I, I appreciate, you know, you honored Reggie and I a couple of weeks ago and said in, in a financial way, we love y'all. We appreciate your leadership. I want to thank you for that. And I know I speak for Reggie too. He's sitting here about to bob his head off his shoulder. He agrees. You're good to us. We love you. You're, you're, a, you're an enjoyable people to pastor. I want you to know that. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of this church. Um, you know, um, there are mega churches, six-figure salaries, and a lot of opportunities. And But I want you to know something. There's nowhere I'd rather be. I love you. Paul loved this church. And so Paul writing this church at Philippi, he goes on to say, he reminds them to all the saints in Christ Jesus. Positionally, they are in Christ because they've repented of their sin for their faith and trust in Christ. They are in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. 
who had been around a little while, they had spiritual leaders. Grace be unto you and peace. You'll never see peace before grace. You can never have peace until you first experience grace. You'll always find in Paul's writings grace and then peace. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Isn't that beautiful? You have certain people in your life, you just, you just love them, you just appreciate them. You thank God, you, you know, a smile comes to your face every time you think about it. You know, there's some of you that are like that. You just do that. But he goes on to say, verse 4, Always in every prayer of mine, for you all making, he was southerner, you see that, you all. For you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Now I want you to look at verse 6 because that's where we're going to, that's what I want to I leave with you today. Paul said, being confident of this very thing, that he who be, hath begun a good work in you will perform it or bring it to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ. Even as it is right for me to thank this of you all, because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers of my grace. Now I'm reading out of the King James. Let me read verse 6 again. Dog ear that page. Make a note beside it. Spend some time on that verse as you're going into the new year being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, in me, will perform it unto the day of Christ Jesus. Ruth Graham and Billy were riding along one day. They were talking very candidly, very openly. And Ruth Graham looked at Billy. She smiled as they came past a construction part of the highway, and it said, work in progress on a sign. And she looked at Billy and she laughed that contagious smile and laugh that he loved so much. And she said, Billy, that's us. We are a work in progress. And maybe this year it's been a very difficult progress. Let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you that you love us. We pray, dear Lord, as we spend a moment reflecting, dear Lord, on how much you love us, we give you glory. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, this Bible here is, uh, this is the fourth cover that's been on this Bible. I've wore out three covers. This cover here is made out of elephant skin. The Zimbabwean told me We'll put a cover on that Bible you'll never wear out. You know, I've never seen an elephant wearing out his hide. So they were right. This Bible um, is an interesting part of my life. Amy, now, is going to make Jeffrey and Ledge and Emily angry, but Amy, um, she, she staked claim to this Bible. She said, look, they can have everything else, but I want your Bibles. Dad, Mom, I want your Bibles. Well, she doesn't know this, but probably this Bible will go to one of my grandchildren who probably will be doing one day what I'm doing. But this Bible, it says, presented to Jeffrey Raphael Parker by mother and father, 
The date on it is November 27, 1979. How many of you were not even born then? It's 1979. Okay, hurry up and put your hands down. Some of you did that with kind of a glee. November 27, 1979, my mom and dad gave me this Bible. Sheila and I, we were at Mississippi State. We were students there. In fact, I was working in the printing shop of, of uh, Mississippi State while Sheila was finishing up her degree. And we both at that point knew that God had called us into ministry. And after she graduated and after Amy was born, we were leaving, heading to New Orleans for me to go to seminary. It's an interesting Bible. This is the fourth cover made out of elephant skin. In the front here, you'll see some post-it notes. You may say, well, that must have some really, really interesting information. Uh, well, it, it, let, me, let me read some of the information. Birds navigate by the stars. If they were raised in a windowless building, they would once released acclimate themselves Having never seen the sky, they would acclimate themselves to the sky and make a migratory journey. I found that interesting. The archer fish fires drops of water at insects with such amazing force and accuracy that they can knock an, innocent, an insect out of the air and consume it when it falls to the water. A bombardier beetle separately produces two chemicals released and combined, they explode in the face of, of an enemy and thereby cripple their enemy and save their life. There is a telescope in California 200 inches in diameter that can look 4 billion light years away. Storms, there are 1,800 storms in the world at any given time. Did you hear that? There are 1,800 storms at any given time. The energy generated in these storms equals 1 million, um, 1,300,000,000 horsepower. So right now there's on the average 1,800 storms in the world. A farmer in Minnesota to raise a crop has to have 407,510 gallons of rain per acre. It requires, um, it requires a lake to take care of his farm, and I'm just kind of guessing, 250, a lake 250 miles long, 60 miles wide, 22 feet deep. There are 5 billion species of birds in the United States. Some fly 500 miles nonstop from the Gulf back and forth north to south. Uh, duck, a mallard, flies at 60 miles an hour. An eagle at 100 miles an hour. A falcon can dive at 180 miles an hour. The earth is 25,000 miles in circumference. It weighs 6 septillion, 580, 86 tons. It hangs and it's supported in space by nothing. It spins 1,000 miles an hour with absolute precision. It travels through space around the sun at 1,000 miles per minute in an orbit that is 580 million miles long. The head of a comet may be 10,000 to 1 million miles long. It ha can have a tail of 100 million miles long. It travels at the speed of 350 miles per second. 
the human heart is the size of your fist. It weighs less than a pound. It does the equivalent of work in 12 hours, what it would take to lift the Empire State Building, or 65 tons, one inch off the ground. That's the power of your heart. A water molecule is composed of only three atoms. If all the molecules in one drop of water were the size of a grain of sand, it would make a highway from New York to L.A. one foot thick, a half a mile wide. Your brain carries on right now 800 memories per second. It never stops. You never forget nothing. It is all recorded. You just can't recall it. And you use about 2% of your brain. And for some of us, less. Your human eye will blink on an average of 4,200,000 times in a year. DNA, the DNA in your body is the blueprint of your life. Some call it the Lego of God. If you up, unwrap all the DNA in your body and stretched it to the moon and back, you could do that 6,000 times. A camel has three eyelids to protect their eyes from sand. A donkey's eyes are placed where he can see all four feet at all times. The human thigh bone is stronger than concrete. The blue whale produces a sound 180 decibels. The loudest sound produced by a living animal can be heard 530 miles away. You cannot fold a piece of paper more than seven times. The divine number of God. This Bible's been with me since 1979. Those are facts that I've read to you because my thought is what an awesome God we serve. This is the fourth cover. It's been with me when I went to seminary in New Orleans. I would carry it with me. It was with me when I preached a first message there in a preaching class and Bob Hamlin came up to me and he said, son, you have passion, never lose that. It went with me to my first church in Kruger where I spent three and a half years and preached funerals and weddings, went all over that delta. The church tripled in size. We baptized a lot of people there. It went with me in Meridian where I pastored there about four years and preached there and traveled around and did funerals and weddings. It went with me to Natchez where I had to take a stand on race relations and it went with me there. It went with me then overseas. The Africans saw the cover wearing off and my good friend Dr. Stan May said along with a lot of Africans we can put a cover on there you'll never wear off and they covered it in elephant skin. It went all over Africa, went to Kenya, went to South Africa, Mozambique. Then it went to England where I sat with three British people and they uh, told me they were ready to close their church and I said with this Bible, I said, well, I don't, I don't think we ought to do that. I don't think God brought me here to close the church. 
And so I preached out of this Bible in England. That church went from three people to 55 people. God began to do a great work there. Uh, he came back here because I eventually came home sick. Uh, I went to Mayo Clinic where I was sick and where they diagnosed me and I've been on medicine ever since from an illness that I picked up when I was in Zimbabwe, Africa. In 2001, it went with me to the convention. I still remember I was preaching the convention sermon. God gave me a message that I really didn't want to preach because I knew when I preached it, it was on race relations and I knew that it would not be accepted and it was not. I left, I walked out of my office when I was going to preach the convention sermon and my, this Bible was laying up there and I wasn't using it quite as much. And I picked it up and I opened it and I teared up and I said, well, come on, old friend. Let's go do what we've done so many times. And I stood in a packed church at First Baptist Jackson and preached the word of God. Chip Henderson said that the convention needed a, a prophetic word. They needed a word from God. He suggested that your pastor preach. And I gave him a prophetic word. Uh, this Bible this Bible's been with me through a lot. But like me, this Bible warns. And maybe that's you today. Sometimes we need to be reminded that the work that God began in you and I, He's going to finish. God never leaves anything unfinished. In the day you repented of your sin and gave your heart and life to Jesus Christ, God's Holy Spirit, Paul said in Ephesians, was like a deposit. He put His Holy Spirit in your life. In other words, listen closely. God with us, Emmanuel. What God did, God took His Spirit and He put it in your life, in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You may say, well, what's the rapture going to be like? God's just simply going to call His Spirit to Him and you and I are just going to feel ourselves literally lifted up off this ground. But you and I are a work in progress. And you may look at this past year and you may say, you know, Brother Jeff, um, it's not been a very good year. You're not the only one. I am too. It's not been a good year. Well, I want to remind you today that being confident of this very thing, Paul said this, that he who hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. So never forget that. Enemies won some battles. He will. You've lost some battles in life. Things have not been good. That's all right. God's a work in, you're a work in progress. God's working right now. Now, in the back of this Bible, I've got things hidden here. The first one is Baker visit. What does that mean? Forgiveness. Baker visit is Jim Baker who was the founder of PTL back in the 70s. 
Jim Baker was convicted of financial embezzlement. There were all kinds of sexual scandals. The Man, it was unbelievable. The federal government made an example out of Jim Baker. They arrested him, and when he went into a courtroom, and a lot of people did not like it, he went in with an orange outfit on, and he was chained with his feet and his hands. That's how he came into the courtroom. They wanted to make an example out of Jim Baker and the Christian community that you don't mess around with financial and all of this, and they made an example of it. Jim Baker went to prison for several years. This prominent TV preacher personality. He said one day he was kneeling and washing, cleaning toilets. He said he was down on his knees. You ever been down on your knees wrapped around a toilet? Isn't that a humbling thing? If this were a toilet, you know, he said that he was down on his hands and knees in this prison and he was wiping, he was washing the toilet around the back of the toilet. You can imagine a men's toilet in a prison. And he said the guard came in and pushed the door open in the bathroom and he said, uh, hey, Baker, you got a visitor. He said, he turned still down on his knees on that toilet and he looked at him and he said, visitor. He said, yeah, you got a visitor. Well, he thought that was unusual. He said he stood up, he looked at the guard, and he said, I don't want to see a visitor. Look at me. He was filthy, and he stunk, and he was sweaty, and he was dirty, and he had human, he had been wiping urine and feces and cleaning up this toilet. He said, I don't want to see a visitor. He said, you'll want to see this one. Jim Baker said he led down the hallway. The guard pushed the door open. And then all of a sudden he saw this stately figure stand to his feet. And it was Billy Graham. He said Billy Graham didn't say a word. He just walked over. And he wrapped his arms around Jim Baker, this man that the United States government had made an example of that People had just absolutely ripped him apart. He wrapped his arms around him and he held him and he hugged him for a minute. And then Jim Baker said that Billy Graham whispered these words. He said, Jim, Ruth and I love you. We've been praying for you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Jim Baker had a bad year, but God wasn't finished with Jim Baker. I could probably tell you other things. The Bible's an unbelievable, unbelievable book. I, here's Cap Nuts. Cap Nuts reminds me of, for all you parents that put the Cap Nut on the axle before the, you read the instructions, you know, on Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve, you people that put the, the toys together and you don't need the instructions. I did that in New Orleans at the seminary. I, I, I hope I'm not upsetting anybody, but Santa Claus didn't put the thing together. So here I am at New Orleans Baptist Seminary putting a, a bike together, or a three-wheeler, I think it was, one of these little big wheel things, and I put the cap nut on before I got all the stuff on, and I had to take the cap nut off. Anybody taking the cap nut off an axle? It's almost humanly impossible. I lost what religion I had. As my dad said, it'll make a preacher cuss. I was just about to cuss. 
about 1 o'clock in the morning on Christmas Day. There's all kinds of things here. Goose Gosler. Goose Gosler was a man that hit a, a home run who was making his way around the base and he came around to home plate. As he, ran, as he was coming to third base, the umpire was saying, You're out! You're out! Crowd standing, team pouring out because it was a game-winning home run hit. And as he first base, second base, he made his way around. He was coming across the pitcher's mound. You're out! You're out! You're out! And all of a sudden, at that moment, Goose Gosler came across that home plate. And that umpire looked at him and said, Sir, you're out. The coach comes out there and they had this big confrontation, throwing a fit, getting angry, crowds on its feet, nobody understands. And about that time, the umpire looked at him and said, you're out, sir. You didn't touch first base. That's in my Bible because some of you one day will get to heaven or you're going to get to the judgment and you're going to tell God all the things you did and you're going to forget you forgot to touch first base. You didn't repent of your sin and give your heart and life to Christ and you didn't, you didn't, you didn't do it the right way. There's all kinds of things in here. Linda, Mark, homeless. You remember Linda? How many homeless have been murdered on the streets? Homeless. Here's one donated heart. I could go on and on, but maybe you're kind of like this Bible. That's you today. Let me close with this. And you may say, well, this is kind of different. Well, it's a different kind of message, but this is what I felt like God wanted me to say. This right here, I told Sheila this morning. Reggie, I quoted you. Reggie said, the last couple of years, we've not been very good at outreach. Reggie said, as our pastor, he said, I believe God has called us to do outreach better. You know what I said to Reggie? I looked at Reggie, stood up and said, I'm tired, Reggie. And for 23 years, I've walked these streets, done this, done that, done everything possible to reach people. And I'll be honest with you, Reggie, as a tired 64-year-old white man, I believe in a lot of ways the community doesn't want to listen to me. I said, I'm just tired. And I told Sheila that this morning, Reggie. And uh, I just told her, I said, Sheila, I'm tired and I'm kind of losing heart. Well, I went where I go a lot of times when I need to read. I went to the toilet. Because when you've got an Africa bug that stays with you for about since 1994, July 1994, when you have an Africa bug that long, you spend a lot of time on the toilet reading. So I grabbed this old Bible and went to the toilet. I opened it up and this, this letter was there. Harare, Harare is this city, the capital of Zimbabwe, where I lived for several years. Harare Male Voice Choir of Prince Edward School. Prince Edward School was a British school in the capital of Zimbabwe that all the politicians, all the 
wealthy, affluent, everybody, black and white, sent their kids. I would preach at this school. Dear sir, it gives me good pleasure to write to you thanking you on behalf of the Prince Edward gentleman, on behalf of Prince Edward gentleman, for the way you have shared your faith and sacrificed your time by coming to our Sunday evening chapel. Let me explain this. Now, I want you young people to listen. These are almost exclusively black Africans. The guy that wrote this letter won the award for the continent of Africa for a speaker. Tatiana, are you listening? He's the one writing this letter. He's the head boy. It's the most powerful position in a school. This was a sanctuary that if you picture an old-timey chapel that would hold probably seven, eight hundred students, it would be from front to back almost solid African men, all men. It was a men's school. They could stand to their feet in their uniforms. Their uniforms were... No military could match them. And when they sang, it was like heaven. And he said here, he said, I as the head boy have benefited a lot from your sermons, and so have the boys. You really did, you really did give us, taught us, encouraged us to be people who will make a change in the future for the better. Let me tell you, these men went on to be the doctors, the lawyers. Many of them now are in the United States. Some of them are extremely powerful political figures. We wish you well as you go back to your home country. And we pray that the dear Lord may guide you and strengthen you in this ministry, which is certainly not easy. As a word of encouragement, we give you 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1. Therefore, since through God's mercies we have this ministry. Listen to this. I told Sheila I was losing heart after your challenge. He said, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Yours gratefully, Jeremiah, head boy, tall, African, who carried himself like, a, like the leader that he was. His voice, his ability, his talents, his gifts were recognized all over the continent of Africa. I don't know where Jeremiah is today. I would venture to say that he is a great leader. But for me, sick missionary sitting on a toilet, as I do so many days, he was saying, don't lose heart. This year may not have been the best year in your life, and you may be right now, you may think, well, it's been a hard year, and in some ways, even spiritually, I've kind of lost some ground. I've kind of reverted back to the old man or the old woman. I, 
I kind of I kind of don't feel like I'm as close to the Lord as I used to be. I, I've, I've kind of lost sight of disciplines. There's been some real battles in my marriage or in my home or in my family. I've, I've lost some people that I loved. Uh, if, I don't know what you face right now. Financially, you may be in a very difficult place. Health-wise, you may have something going on in your life that you can't tell. You may be beat up right now. But let me tell you what's going on in heaven. You may feel like you've made a mess of your life and things are, could be better. <laughs> this is what the Lord's doing. Philip, you understand this. You're a builder. It's in your blood. It's in your dad's blood. When God decided to send his son, he said, uh, I want him to be a carpenter, a builder. Something therapeutic about building a piece of furniture. You know what Jesus does in heaven when you and I come to the end of a year and we say, Lord, it's been a hard year. Lost some ground. The enemy's won some battles. I'm, I'm just not doing very good. You just picture the Lord doing this. But you know what the Lord's saying? Well, in 2020, we're going to do better. <laughs> we're getting ready to do some work. We're going to knock off a few things that need to be knocked off. You got a little bit proud, full of yourself, but we're going to have to bring you down a few notches. We're going to answer some prayers this year that you've been praying for years and you've just kept on praying about it and you haven't grown weary in well-doing. So we're going to answer some prayers that you've been praying about. So don't give up. Lord's rolling his sleeves up. You've got a child that is grown and they've just grieved your heart and they've just weighed you down so much. They ain't nothing weigh you down more than that. God said, this is going to be the year of victory. You're going to see some good things happen. Some of you are going to accomplish some things. You're going to, you're going to reach some milestones. God's going to give you some victories. Some of you, as parents, are going to see your children make great headway this year. This is a year 2020, a year of perfect vision. Because you know what God says? I ain't through with you yet. Just get busy. It's going to be better. 2020 is going to be a hard year. Let me say this. Everybody listening, 2020 is going to be a hard year for this country. We got a presidential election. In my lifetime, I've never seen it like it is right now. Politically, racially, spiritually, economically. You know, in so many ways, this country is so unsettled. But for the people in this room, we don't depend on Washington. We don't depend on the political climate. We don't depend on political leaders. We don't depend on economics. We don't depend on anything. We only depend on one thing. We depend on the cross of Jesus Christ and what the finished work of Christ means to us. Right? So um, we're going to stand and we're going to worship together. So you go ahead and stand. I'm going to pray for you first. If you need to come to this aisle, you need to come to this altar, you need to come down this aisle, you need to come to this altar. Yeah, you don't, you don't need to come to me. 
And you don't even necessarily need to go to Reggie or Ledge or anybody else. Maybe you just need to come to this altar and do business with God. Just say, God, 2020, this is a year of destiny. I'm going to believe you, God, for great things. I'm going to believe that my husband is going to get saved this year. I'm going to believe, God, this year that my wife is going to walk with the Lord and she's going to begin to follow my leadership. I'm going to believe that my grown son, my grown daughter, who has grieved my heart, is going by the end of this year, God, to be changed forever. God, I'm going to believe you that you're going to help me get through my schooling because you're giving me an education. You're giving me the potential and the ability to stretch the borders of your kingdom. God, I'm going to get married this year and my life's going to change and God, you're going to do great things in me. I don't know what God's going to do in your life. But start believing. Start trusting Him. Pray. Our Heavenly Father, we just come to you, dear Lord, we... Pray, dear Lord, even as we go to this invitation, even as we go to this time of singing, dear Lord, that, Lord, for some in this room, I know it's been a tough year. They, they've gone through some difficult trials. They've been through some valleys. For others in this room, they have uh, it's been a year of victories. There's been some good things that have happened. They're finally in a place in their life that they've longed for for a very long time. By the hand of God, you've brought them there. There's some in this room that are parents, their children are breaking their heart. They've been praying, crying out to you, God, and this could be a year, this can be a year, this will be a year of victory. Pray for parents, husbands, and wives not to give up. Pray for grandparents not to give up. Pray for those that are students that are struggling to get through school and get through the testing, the trials, the difficulty, it's going to be a year of victory. I pray for those that may be battling with some health issue. God, you're in the business of healing and restoring. Lord, we pray for healing. God, I pray for those that economically, financially, they're in a tight. Things are difficult. They're just struggling to make ends meet. They've got too much, too much month at the end of their money. And they're hurting. And God, I pray that you give them financial victory and begin to help them get their finances in order so that they can be a tool in your hand. So Lord, I pray, many of us like that Bible, Lord, we've been everywhere. There's a lot of years under our belt, but Lord, we're tired. We're discouraged. We may be defeated. There's some in this room, 2019's been a tough year. 2020's going to be better. So, Lord, we just give you glory. And, Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you, one that is not saved, one that if they died, they don't know where they'd spend eternity. God, you've spoken into their heart. and You've said, this is a year that you've got to get right with me. You don't want to go in 2020 lost. You don't want to go into 2020 not knowing, not being sure. You need to go down that aisle. You need to say to Reggie, Reggie, I... I just don't know if I'm saved or not. I've got to know this. I want to settle this and let Reggie or Ledge or myself pray and walk them down that road of salvation to know that they know that they're saved. These things Jesus says, have I written that you may know that you have eternal life? 
you said that in 1 John 5, 13. Some need to know that. God, this is a year for us to walk closer to you than we have in the past. So speak to our hearts, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.